Welcome to the Plain Faith Podcast, Episode 8. We have to fly. Um, you know, you can you can use boats and that sort of thing, but that's, you know, if you only want to minister three months out of the year, that's, that's the way you're going to do it. Um, so aviation is, is uh, absolutely critical uh, there as well, and uh, is the tool. So uh, it's a tool to get the gospel out there. The Plain Faith Podcast is a podcast about missionary aviation and the stories of missionary aviators who have taken seriously Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations and are using airplanes to be His witnesses at the ends of the earth. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Your host for today's show will be Jimmy Tidmore, who, in addition to hosting this podcast, is a pastor and a pilot residing with his family in what is known as the Rocket City, Huntsville, Alabama. He is very interested in promoting missionary aviation and helping prospective missionary pilots reach the mission field. And now, with these introductions out of the way, let's get started on another great episode of the Plain Faith Podcast. Welcome back to the Plain Faith Podcast. For those new to the show, my name is Jimmy Tidmore, and I'm excited to bring you the eighth episode in this podcast about missionary aviation. Today's flight plan will take us to Naknek, Alaska, where we'll talk with missionary pilot Jeremy Kroll to hear about his journey to Naknek and about the kingdom work he is doing there. Jeremy also has a cool connection with a missionary pilot training organization that I think you'll be interested in hearing about as well. But before we get to all of that, let me read a couple of reviews we have received in iTunes. The first review is from a while back, and it was left by someone using the name King Potta in iTunes. And King Potta gives the show five stars and titles the review with the words, Excellent and God-Honoring. And the review goes like this, Interviews with people passionate about missionary aviation. Highly recommended. So King Potter, thank you for your review. I really do appreciate it. We received another review back on September 6th from Fly Air Mike, who also gave us five stars and says, very helpful and interesting. I was really excited to hear about this podcast and I have been enjoying it a lot. As a current CFI who is interested in going to the mission field, it is very helpful to hear these firsthand accounts of what it's really like and how to prepare. Highly recommend this show. Well, Fly Air Mike, it's really cool to hear you are interested in going to the mission field, and I'm glad this show is proving helpful to you as you think through those things. That is exactly what I am hoping for, so thanks again for the review. I really do appreciate folks taking the time to leave a review in iTunes. It really does help the show out. Another way you can support the show is by going to patreon.com slash plain faith and becoming a patron of the podcast. I have completely revised the reward tiers on Patreon, and if you are interested in getting a plain faith sticker or t-shirt, it has gotten a lot easier. Now anyone who commits to supporting the show at just $2 an episode will immediately receive a 4-inch by 4-inch plain faith sticker. And if you want an awesome Plain Faith t-shirt, now you only need to sign up at the $5 an episode level. In fact, $5 an episode will get you the sticker and the t-shirt. 
I already have both of these designed and I will be excited to ship them out to you all. As of right now, I'm only producing a single episode per month, so we are really only talking a few bucks a month to support the podcast. And at this point, all I'm really trying to do is cover my expenses. But if we could get enough support on Patreon, I would use that money to do some cool things with the show that I couldn't do otherwise. So think it over and pray about it. And if you're interested in helping out, head over to patreon.com slash plainfaith to do so. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash plainfaith. And this is really not just about raising money. It is really about building a network of partners who are interested in promoting missionary aviation. So if you'd like to partner with us in that, this is a great way to do so. So now, with all of that said, it's time to turn our attention to our guest for today, Jeremy Crowell, a missionary pilot in Naknek, Alaska. Well, Jeremy, I'm very excited to have you on this episode of the podcast. I look forward to hearing the story about how you became a missionary pilot, along with the stories of the things you have experienced as a pastor and a pilot on the mission field. I so appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I know our listeners appreciate it as well. So welcome to the Plain Faith Podcast, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Jimmy. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and, uh, and looking forward to it. So Very good. Well, why don't we get into the first uh, few questions that tell us a little bit about who you are and, and where you're from and so forth. So tell us that. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Tell me about your, your family and, and so forth. Well, I was originally born in Alexandria, Minnesota. Um, and uh, grew up all over the United States. My father was a, um, a pastor and, uh, and an army chaplain for a while and a uh, military police officer. So I was an army brat and a, uh, and a pastor's kid. And uh, so we, we moved around a lot. Um, I was the, in the oldest of, uh, of three uh, kids. Um, and, uh, so there's there's three of us and I'm the oldest and um we yeah, we grew up all over. So we're in uh Minnesota and uh Texas, Washington, um Montana, Germany, Arizona. Uh so we we grew up kind of hopping around a little bit. So Very good and and you're married today? Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, married to my wonderful wife Lacey um, since 2007. So this year will be our 10th anniversary, and uh, we have one child, Malachi, who is six years old. So keeps us on our toes. So tell me about how you first became a follower of Jesus. So I was baptized in, in uh, at a young age and grew up in a Christian home, and I remember when I was around seven years old uh accepting uh Christ into my heart and accepting his forgiveness and it's been a, been a wonderful journey ever since and I honestly can't really remember a time where I didn't know the Lord um and uh but he continues to uh to be faithful to us so Okay, Jeremy, so having been a believer is at the age of, of seven, how, tell me a little bit about how your faith grew and how that eventually led uh, to you feeling a call to missions and deciding that you would serve God in that way. 
yeah. Um, the call to mission was it was kind of a progressive one. Um, I remember uh, being at a Bible camp in Washington State, and this was probably when I was uh, about my mid-teens in high school, and uh, hearing about the need for um, missionaries. At that time, they're talking, this particular missionary was talking about the 1040 window um, and uh, the need for missionaries in, in that area. And uh, that kind of stuck in the back of my mind. And, and then I remember uh, at another missions conference, pastor talking about uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and, and following that uh, really struck a chord with me. Um, you know, the previous verses talk about uh, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then verse 14 says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? Uh, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And uh, and then verse 17 as well, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, and uh, the need for proclaiming God's word. And uh, the the questions that the Apostle Paul asked there really struck a chord with me. You know, how, how shall they call on him whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him whom they've never heard? Um, and uh, so that was really formative in the call towards missions. And I, I think, I guess you could, you could say at that point, I really felt a calling towards missions as, as the Lord impressed upon me the need uh, for those to proclaim uh, who he is and what he's done for us. So. Okay, so pretty immediate sort of thing, you would say? Yeah, and kind of progressive at the same time, if that makes sense. No, uh, I you know, as 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 you as you know, there's the initial uh, call there, the seed that was planted, and then uh, the Lord kind of confirming it as as they moved in that direction. So, how did this work time wise with your passion for aviation? Which of those? A two came first. Was it the call to, to missions or was there a seed planted for a passion for aviation that took place before? Which was first? Yeah, I would say the call towards missions came first. Uh, I was probably about 14 when, uh, when uh, you know, I felt that call towards missions and, and the, the those words were uh, struck a chord with me. Uh, then at, at 15, uh, I started taking flying lessons, and uh, so they're really close together, and uh, and actually, I didn't put two and two together initially. Uh, my father was a flight instructor, and he thought, you know, we should go out and learn how to fly and that sort of thing. I go, okay, that sounds like fun to me, and uh, so I started to learn how to fly, and it wasn't long after that that my parents recognized the, uh, you know, the calling towards missions and uh, started asking me the question, you know, have you considered mission aviation? And, uh, and so I started looking in that direction. And that's kind of when I felt, you know, that was kind of the, the direction I should go. And uh, as I started to do that, the Lord continued to confirm that uh, calling on my life. Okay, so it's neat to hear you being called to missions first, you you were ready to go, and I appreciate those verses you quoted from from Romans chapter ten uh, about the need 
for people to go and to proclaim the gospel. And that was really the, at the foundation of your calling. And, and then the uh, introduction to flying took place. And then later on, you saw how you could join those two things together. And that is what you're doing today. And we'll, we'll definitely uh, talk a lot about that as, as this interview goes on. But let's stay now and talk a little bit about, obviously, your father was a flight instructor, so that's a great way uh, to get introduced to, uh, to uh, flight training and, and aviation. But h- how else did you pursue the rest of your ratings and what sort of certificates and ratings uh, do you have and, and where did you do those and so forth? Um, my father was a flight instructor before I was born, and uh, or maybe it was right around the time I was born. I can't remember. And so I kind of grew up in aviation, and uh, and you know I I think my first airplane ride was when I was like three weeks old or something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was always there. And uh, yeah, and said that you know my father was flight instructor and started doing flight training actually I was homeschooled around the time and uh so this was kind of a uh, really cool science class <laughs> um and uh went through the uh, ground portion with my father he actually made me sit through um I'm sure you're familiar with the the king video courses yes. uh he made me sit through those um I I have told other people you know that uh, that that that's almost torturous, but <laughs> but it was it was good. Uh, got through the uh, got through the ground portion in a short period of time and was able to take my uh, my uh, written exam and uh, and then my father and I pursued uh, for me to get my uh, my private pilot certificate and uh, and got that in in 1997 and uh, the rest of my ratings. Um, were actually through uh, a flight school that my dad had started not long after that. Uh, in 1998, he started Mission Aviation Training Academy with the purpose of, of training missionary pilots, specifically those who already had uh, ratings that were on the field and needed to get additional ratings. Uh, was kind of the original intent uh, and found that there was kind of a niche where uh, you know, some of these other schools didn't necessarily cover just a, you know, coming in and picking up a multi-engine rating or coming in and picking up uh, tailwheel endorsement or something along those lines. Um, so that was kind of the initial niche for Mission Aviation Training Academy. And then it developed into training pilots from ground zero all the way up. But anyways, I uh, I, uh, I ended up continuing on in my training um there at Mission Aviation Training Academy, uh, got through all of my flight ratings. Let's see, I, I did my uh, commercial certificate uh, first, in addition to uh, doing my, while well, I was in uh, aircraft mechanics school in Everett, Washington. That was through a community college there, got my EMP certificate through that. Um, and then after that, got my instrument rating uh, flight instructor, instru- instrument flight instructor certificates as well. And uh, later on, got multi-engine uh, commercial and and uh, single-engine C commercial as well. So um, Those were all uh, through Mission Aviation Training Academy, through my father, and also the, uh, the mechanic certificates through uh, the local community college there. 
Okay, and if I'm correct, you have a role with the Mission Aviation Training Academy today. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And actually, um, I served with Mission Aviation Training Academy for a number of years. After graduating from mechanic school, I went on to be a uh, be a mechanic for MATA, and uh, and then I got once I got my flight instructor certificates, I was an instructor for them as well for a while, um, and now I serve on the board of directors with uh, with MATA as well. And is their focus still the same as you described previously? What your father sort of envisioned originally, is that still the focus? Yeah, uh, there certainly is some of that. Uh, but uh, there are more students that are coming in uh, who have partial training beforehand and some that have uh, no training at all and are looking to go to the mission field. Uh, but there are a few that are using, you know, pastoral types that are using aviation that aren't going to necessarily go through all the ratings and uh, and that sort of thing because it's not necessarily uh, required. Uh, that you know, might pick up a private pilot certificate, uh, instrument rating, and, and that sort of thing uh, for those who are using aviation in ministry um, in the non-traditional roles as well. So uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Well, I would love if there's anything else you would like to share about Matt. I, I know that our listeners would, would be happy uh, to hear it. If How how could someone who's interested in, in maybe learning more about training uh, there, just getting more information, how could they get some information about Matt? And if there's anything else you would like to share, uh, now would be a great time to do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mission Aviation Training Academy is out of Arlington, Washington. And uh, it's kind of an ideal training location because within a half hour, hour of flying, you've got island flying, you've got desert flying, you've got mountain flying, um, and all of that thrown in with the typical Western Washington, Seattle type weather that's always changing. Uh, three different weather systems converging in one area. They call it the convergence zone there in Everett, Washington. And uh, so it's kind of a, a, a very interesting uh, training environment and uh, and that sort of thing. We also Mata has uh, an internship program uh, where they come up to Alaska and do some uh, surveys of the of various ministries up here. And actually, I have a, a buddy of mine who's uh, who's actually the executive director, and uh, he and a couple other students are on their way, and they're going to stop by and visit us here, and and we'll be able to put them to work a little bit here too so uh working on on our airplanes a little bit too but um yeah uh you can get more information by going to uh mata-usa.org or just google it and you can find it that way too um and uh they got lots of good information on their website and uh, uh it's, it's a wonderful program god has tremendously blessed the ministry uh, in ways and you know, there's that verse that says <laughs> beyond what we can ask or even think. Um, and uh, God continues to bless that ministry. One of the other aspects of that ministry that's kind of unique is that it's not set to an academic calendar. So it's more an FBO style training, I guess you could say, in that you can set your own schedule, set your own pace. And one of the advantages to that is that uh, that a lot of our students are coming out of MATA 
with little or no debt, um, which is a huge, huge deal uh, in getting to the mission field. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's interesting to hear. I, I hope our listeners will take some op- some opportunity to to look at that and and um and learn more about Matt. I've heard great things about the program, and I'm glad uh, that you you told us a little bit more uh, today about it. Now, why don't you tell us some advice that you might give uh, to someone who is wrestling? with a call to missions or any advice that you might have for someone who's thinking about being a missionary pilot specifically, I would love for you to share either of those or both of those with the audience today. Yeah. You know, um, I think the call comes from God's word. You know, as we, as we just mentioned previously here, uh, Romans chapter 10, specifically for me, that was the, the, the word that really called me to missions. And, uh, and you know, um, as we struggle with that call towards missions, you know, kind of comes a question too, doesn't it, of uh, who is called to missions? And um, I'm a firm believer that every believer is called to missions. Um, Matthew chapter 28 is a is a very interesting verse. I'm not um, by any means a, a Greek scholar, that sort of thing, but um, I've been told and have looked it up uh, as well that uh, as you look at Matthew chapter 28, as Jesus speaks to the disciples, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And our English translations, unfortunately, uh, it sounds like the main command in that verse is, is to go. Um, but it's my understanding that, that the word go there is a participle and it is uh, describing uh, how we make disciples. We make disciples. That's the main verb. Uh, we make disciples in our going. So the going is assumed. And uh, in our going speaks of our daily walk, our daily life. Uh, as we live life, the church we as the church are to make disciples, and how are we to do that? By baptizing and by teaching. Uh, those are two other participles that describe those things, that describe how to make disciples. And so um, in dealing with that, um, one of the things that was an issue for me in my call towards missions is I got so focused on going to the mission field that I forgot to be a missionary where I'm at. And uh, and in that in that vein as well, uh, if God has called you towards mission aviation, um, enjoy the time of preparation that God has placed you in. Um, you know, oftentimes we think, "Wow, this is this is really long," um, and uh, I really want to be out on the mission field, you know, serving the Lord in that way. But I would encourage those who are wrestling with that call towards mission aviation to enjoy the time of preparation. I think it's um, the average is, what, 10 years from the time an individual decides, okay, I'm going to go into mission aviation to go through all the training to get your, you know, all your pilot licenses and ratings and and, uh, your mechanic certificates and, uh, you know, Bible school training and, and all that. 
um, it can be a long time. It can be discouraging as we go through that. And then, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, we come through it with debt and that sort of thing. And so we got to work off the debt before we, before mission agencies will, will look at us and that, and that sort of thing. And, um, so my encouragement is to recognize that God has called you as a, as a missionary where you are right now and look for ways you can serve Him right here, right now and enjoy the time of preparation. Uh, I look back on, flight training. I look back on the mechanic training with great fondness. I look back on uh, time at, in seminary as well uh, as, a, as a great time of just being focused on God's Word and, and serving Him in whatever capacity He allowed me to do that in. Um, so enjoy the time of preparation. That was some advice that was given to me uh, when I was there in seminary, and I wish I would have heard that earlier on in my training uh, because it was so discouraging looking. When will I get to the mission field? Well, we are on the mission field right where we are right now. Very good. Thank you for that great advice. I know that uh, it will be beneficial to, to lots of folks listening to the show to understand uh, about the call itself and then how someone should approach uh, the missionary aviation training and not uh, simply uh, try to rush through it to get uh, to the mission field, but to enjoy uh, the time they're they're involved in the training and and understand that that's a part of God's preparation work for them in 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 going to the field. So after you finished at uh, Mata, you said that you uh, instructed there some. Is yes. that correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I instructed there for. Uh, I'm trying to remember how how long it was. I think it was at least four or five years, something like that. But. And then, how did you get from there to? Uh, the mission field and the place that you were serving now. It's kind of an interesting story and, and a long one. How much time do you have? <laughs> we have all, all right. All right. Well, I was training there at Mata, and uh, my father was the, the executive director, and both he and I were uh, in charge of a lot of the flight instructing and the mechanic work and that sort of thing. And one of the elements that I was missing was the Bible school training. And, uh, and I, to be honest with you, I was a little bit afraid to approach my dad. I felt God tell, telling me, you know, you should go to Bible school. And I was a little bit afraid to talk to dad about that and say, you know, I really feel God is calling me to Bible school and, and that sort of thing. And, um, interestingly enough, you know, going through, uh, all of the, uh, the training, I really wanted, after the, I received that first call, I really wanted to go to Bible school right out of, out of high school. And, uh, and for, for reasons that I didn't understand at that time, God closed all the doors to go to Bible school, which is kind of interesting because you'd think, well, wouldn't Bible school be a priority? But, uh, it was, it, the Lord opened the doors when I when I stopped pursuing Bible school at that time, right out of high school. The Lord opened the doors to go to EMP school and mechanic school, and uh, I went into that. There, when you go into a secular mechanic school and you get a lot of guys that are in their 40s and have backgrounds in mechanics, and not it's not a friendly environment uh, for a, a you know a young uh, high schooler. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and I actually felt, you know, as though I, I, and I did, I walked away from the Lord, uh, a little bit and God bopped me on the head and brought me back to him. Um, but, uh, but 
the reason I mention all that is because when I did go to Bible school and I approached my dad and he said, yeah, go. Um, even though we are shorthanded at MATA, uh, he said, go, uh, the Lord will take care of it. Um, I really appreciated that Bible school training all the more. If I had gone right out of high school, I wouldn't have appreciated that that time in the Word as much as I did when I was older. And uh, I approached Bible school in, in uh, kind of a, I don't know if it's a unique way, but I, I approached Bible school at, because I had been teaching at MATA. I went, okay, I'm going to take these notes and stuff so that I can turn around and teach this later on. And uh, and so I was writing down everything the instructors were saying and everything. And it was just a wonderful time in God's Word. And uh, uh, so uh, I really enjoyed that time. Went to Bible school, and then I came back uh, for a summer because it was, uh, you know, I was on an academic calendar. Came back for the summer and flight instructed with MATA again. And then in July of 2005, my father and I, were actually out at Oshkosh. My my father had several wore several different hats, and uh, one of the side jobs that he had was he was a demo pilot for Glass Air Aviation, which is based out of Arlington as well. Um, and yeah, he cool. was the uh, he was a test pilot for the Glass Star Sportsman, and uh, was demoing the airplane for the Outdoor Channel, and uh, and was killed. In a, in a plane crash, and we don't fully know all the details of why um, why he you know the accident details and all that. Best guess is that he had some sort of medical issue that uh, that took place, uh, uh, heart mm-hmm. attack or stroke. He did have diabetes at the time, um, but he had it under control with diet and exercise. So, but that makes you more susceptible to a heart attack or stroke. Anyways. Um, the Lord saw fit to call him home there in 2005, um, and it fell on uh, on my mother and myself and uh, the board of directors, uh, uh, the uh, current uh, what do you call it? president of the board? No, I guess he was the treasurer. Uh, uh, Gordon Baki uh, took over as the executive director for MATA, and I took over all the uh, flight instructing responsibilities, and, and I had a couple of volunteer flight instructors to work with and everything. And I felt, okay, this is where God is calling me, uh, is to stay with Mission Aviation Training Academy. And uh, and continued on um, and was working really long hours uh, trying to maintain five airplanes, 15 students, I think it was at the time. Um, and by the grace of God, Matta survived, <laughs> despite, despite me, um, and, uh, and continue to, continue to, to move forward and, uh, and God continued to bless the ministry. But about a year afterwards, I, uh, I felt like, um, I needed to continue my biblical training. And I actually had considered going back to the same Bible school that I had gone to previously. It's a Association Free Lutheran Bible School in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And because uh, I'd only completed one year. And uh, and the course was a two-year course. So I, I prayed about it and thought, okay, I, sh- I should go back to a year Bible school. Talked to a trusted friend and mentor. 
and asked him about it. And he said, well, have you considered seminary? And I said, well, no, not really. Um, because the, our seminary requires a, uh, four year, four year degree before going to it. And I said, well, I've, you know, I've got all this aviation training and that sort of thing. Um, I've gone to college for four years, but I don't have a degree to show for it, you know. Um, and, uh, and he said, and let, let's talk with the board, uh, the school board there and everything. And it, said, well, if the Lord wants me to go to seminary, the doors will open. Long story short, the doors opened, and I ended up going to our seminary there in Minneapolis on the same campus, uh, the Association Free Lutheran mm-hmm. Seminary, and uh, and had a wonderful time, uh, three years there, uh, academics, and then a year of internship up in six months up here in Naknek, Alaska, and then also six months in Loveland, Colorado. And it was just a wonderful time of preparation and everything. The call towards Alaska is kind of an interesting one because uh, my father was involved in that, in uh, the the ministry up here in Naknek uh, through our association, uh, the Association Free Lutheran Congregation, a uh, uh, AFLC pastor was called to the congregations up here, and uh, one of the stipulations was that he would get his private pilot certificate. He got his private pilot certificate and uh, and then uh, an airplane that belonged to the association to flaps our aviation arm uh, was delivered up here, and uh, and Mata had a hand in. Uh, prepping the airplane for coming up to Alaska, and uh, and my father came up in '99, I think it was, and in 2000, and in 2001 we flew Matta's Mooney up here, spent a month. Dad filled in as a pastor for that other pastor, and um, and uh, I got a taste of the ministry here in Southwest Alaska, and uh, and really the the people and the area was on my heart ever since and uh and so that was in 2001 and uh i actually had just completed my amp training uh the ink was barely dry on my certificate and i was coming up here and i was working on airplanes right away so i I loved it um and that was i continued to pray for the ministry up here for a number of years and you know how it is uh when jesus was talking to his disciples you know uh, the fields are white unto harvest, you know, pray for laborers. And then a couple of verses later on, uh, it, later on, it was that the next chapter, he sends out those who are praying for, <laughs> for the, for the harvest, for the, uh, the, he sends out those very disciples. And, uh, and so it was with me too, um, as I had that call towards Alaska and particularly this area. Um, God continued to open doors. And uh, while I was in seminary, the mission group that was up here, the Lutheran Mission Societies, gifted all the properties, airplanes, hangar, uh, everything to the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, which is uh, where I was doing my uh, my seminary training. And uh, and so it, it the whole ministry kind of fell in the AFLC's lap. And you know, everybody knew my interest in coming up here, and so it kind of, uh, kind of fell on our lap as well. And uh, anyway, so that's that's kind of that's the that's the short story of how we ended up 
uh, ended up here in Naknek. So, so tell me a little bit about Naknek. What's it like and how has it been different from what you were used to back in the lower 48 and what have been some of the things that have been difficult for you and your wife to adjust to? Yeah, you know, when I first came up in 2001, I was envisioning uh, that that people up here, and this is <laughs> this shows my ignorance, people up here were going to be living in igloos and mud huts and that sort of thing. Um, and I came up here, and there's a paved road between Naknek and King Salmon. There's a grocery store. There's a hardware store. <laughs> and uh, I went, well, this isn't this isn't anything like what I thought it would be. Um, yeah, this is just like a small town in North Dakota or, or whatever, you know. Um, but there are some differences, and the and the big difference is that uh, is that it's it's isolated. The only way in or out is practically is by airplane during the summer and when the when there's not that much ice in the river and the ocean and whatnot. You can get here by boat, but that takes a long long time. Um, so we're 300 miles southwest of Anchorage, and uh, and really the only practical way of getting in or out is by is by air. Um, you know, it is the United States, so there's a lot of similarities. We don't need a passport. We don't have funny currency when we're up here, um, so that's kind of kind of nice in in that respect. But there are some cultural differences, and uh, um, and you know, there's the overarching culture of Alaska and and uh, and that sort of thing, but there's also these microcultures, if you will, of each of these villages. Each village kind of has its own flavor to it and own traditions and and, and that sort of thing too. So that's kind of kind of interesting. So that's a little bit different. Um, I suppose you have that down in lower 48 too, with different towns and whatnot. But um, yeah. Some of the other things to to get used to is the fact that during the summertime there are bears around, <laughs> um, and they aren't the 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 small, cute, cuddly kind. They're <laughs> the you know the Alaska brown bear, and uh, I've been told the difference between Alaska brown bear and a grizzly is uh, is where they're located. <laughs> mm. uh, grizzly is seventy miles inland, and if it crosses that line towards the towards the coastline, it becomes an Alaska brown bear, but. Uh, uh, they, uh, they have a pretty steady diet of, of salmon and fish and, you know, and berries and that sort of thing. So they, they get a little bit more well fed than their inland, uh, cousins. And, uh, so they tend to be a little bit bigger than a grizzly, uh, although not quite as aggressive because they're probably not quite as hungry. So, um, so that was, that was a little bit of getting used to knack King Salmon, South Naknek, and the entire Bristol Bay region is, is its economy is all around fishing. Um, and uh, it has the world's largest sockeye salmon run. And uh, our little village communities that together all total somewhere between 900 and 1,000 um, have swells during the summertime from anywhere I've heard figures of 3,000 to over 10,000. Um, and one of the neat things about that is that we get uh, the world coming to us. There's people from all over the world that come to us. And uh, a really neat ministry that has been started with uh, with our church group is uh, called The Net. It's a Christian hospitality house. 
get cannery workers from all over the world and when they're not working they're looking for something to do and we've got a little hospitality house where we can serve coffee and cookies and and uh, we have christian literature bibles tracts that sort of thing we're able to uh, bring the gospel to the world as they come to us which is which is exciting um and uh what are some other differences weather differences um you know, a lot of similarities during the summertime in the flying to western Washington, uh, a lot of changing weather, converging weather systems, that sort of thing. Um, but during the wintertime, it's a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it can be cold. It's not as cold as interior Alaska, but uh, it can be real cold, and there's a lot of challenges with that. Uh, the sunlight uh is is interesting um you know during the summertime the sun comes up around uh, somewhere between four and five in the morning and sets around 11 30 12 o'clock at night and uh you know during the winter time uh the sun comes up somewhere between nine and ten in the morning and sets around four in the afternoon so uh, it takes a little bit of getting used to with uh, long daylight during the summer and and short daylights during the during the uh, winter time, so um, those are some of the differences that that come to mind uh, over the lower forty-eight. Okay, well, tell tell us more about the missions organization that you are serving with. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a uh, ordained minister with the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, and uh, we fall under the AFLC. The shorter acronym for it, for the, under the Home Missions Department, and uh, we also have an aviation arm to that, and that's called FLAPS, which stands for Free Lutheran Association Pilot Supporters. Um, they got long names and funny acronyms, so <laughs> we are not AFLAC. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, if you if you mistype in Google or whatever, you'll get if you if you see that that uh, that duck or swan or whatever it is <laughs> you've mm-hmm. gone to the wrong site but um but uh yeah it's aflc home missions and uh and and flaps and aflc is a, a very conservative bible believing uh, uh uh lutheran denomination and, and some would say the the remnant of the lutheran church and uh you know, have a real focus on on the, the primacy of the Word of God and inerrancy and, uh, and proclaiming, you know, the good news of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us on the cross. So, uh, those are those organizations. The aviation organization Flaps uh, was started at, uh, right around the same time as Mission Aviation Training Academy. It's about eight, six months to a year later, and. Uh, Flaps and Mata have have kind of been uh, uh, you know related ever since they both were born, and uh, um, so it's kind of kind of fun to have that partnership there too. All right, and obviously we're coming up on the 500th anniversary of Luther and his theses on the the church door of Wittenberg and and so forth. Not something just important for Lutherans, but something important to us all as as protestants and there will be churches all over the world and all over the uh, the country recognizing uh recognizing what he did and it's it's great to hear uh, your description of of the uh, free lutheran association as you are 
a part of being really tied into that stream still faithfully and, and biblically as, as would make Luther smile. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing about the FLAPS uh, organization. I guess with, with long names like you all have, uh, you need those acronyms. So very, great, very great. good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, so tell, tell me about the, tell me about this first. Um, I've seen you described in multiple places as a pastor slash pilot. Why yes. is why is that description important for what you do, and what does it mean for you to be a pastor slash pilot? Well, you know, I think you know it's so important for us to recognize the airplane as a tool. Um, it's it's a very cool tool. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, um, but it is a means to get the gospel out there. And, uh, you know, mission aviation, if you just take a look at those two words there, it's missions first, aviation second. And that was something that my father instilled in me and uh, has instilled in, uh, in all the MATA students uh, is that you are a missionary first. That's your primary, uh, primary goal. And uh, aviation is second. Um, not meaning that we don't uh, do things professionally in the aviation side of things, but uh, in terms of the priority and importance. And uh, so, so for me as a pastor pilot, it's it's uh, it's being a pastor first, and uh, and proclaiming, you know, as as everyone else is called to do, proclaiming that good news of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us on the cross. Uh, first, and aviation is a is a means to do that. Um, up here and where we are in Alaska, it is uh, it's absolutely necessary because unlike other places where mission aviation exists, um, where you can walk to different locations and that sort of thing, that's not even an option. Uh, we have to fly. Um, you know, you can you can use boats and that sort of thing, but that's you know, if you only want to minister three months out of the year, that's that's the way you're going to do it. Um, so aviation is is uh, absolutely critical uh, there as well, and uh, is the tool. So uh, it's a tool to get the gospel out there. So you really would say I'm a pastor first, a pilot second. Yeah. Very much like I would say I'm a pastor first, and I also have a car that I drive to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So tell us about the types of planes that you do fly and, and work with and the type of flying and, and work that you normally do and how that uh, relates together with you being a pastor. Well, uh, Flaps has uh, two aircraft up here currently, and, uh, and I'm not the only pilot. We do have a couple of volunteer pilots as well. Okay. Um, but uh, I'm the only pilot uh who's you know that's my primary responsibility um but uh we have a uh 1974 Cherokee 16 uh Cherokee 6 300 horse and then we also have a Cessna 175 that we use in the ministry up here and uh and both airplanes uh kind of fill unique niches um, the Cherokee 6 is ideal for this area. Um, I've always been a Cessna guy. I like Cessnas. I like the Cessna 206 and, and that sort of thing. So it, 
Um, when, but when we moved here to Southwest Alaska and dealing with the types of winds that we do, um, the Cessna 206 would do the mission fairly well, but when we get high winds, uh, you know, you're talking in excess of 30 knots, uh, I would rather have a Cherokee 6 because of the way it handles in the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a great airplane. We're not trying to get off of a 900-foot strip uh, you know, in the jungle or anything. We're, our shortest airstrip is our home airstrip, and that's 1,800 feet long. Uh, and the Cherokee 6 does that plenty well, and uh, especially with the winds that we get. You know, if we got, you know, a normal day is 15, 20 knots of wind, um, you know, you don't need a really long airstrip with uh, with uh, those as kind of your, your uh, calmer wind days. So uh, the Cherokee 6 does really well. For anything that's real short, um, we've got the Cessna 175. Ours is modified with the Sportsman Stole Kit, 180 horse Lycoming, constant speed prop. Um, one of the unique flights that we have is in order to get to the village of South Naknek, uh, where we have one of our churches at, it is, it's only two miles away. Um, and uh, the 175 fits that bill real well. We take off, get up to about 500 feet, and it's time to start thinking about landing again. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's, it's nice to have that airplane as just kind of a short hop type airplane. And, uh, it does really well. Obviously we're limited in the winds and that sort of thing. So if we have a really windy day, we'll take the Cherokee six across the river instead. Um, but, uh, those are the, those are the airplanes that we have. Um, our typical flights are, uh, you know, across the river on a Sunday. Um, and then also, um, one of uh, my colleagues, Pastor Jeff Swanson, and I will go up to Ekwok, which is another village about a half hour away. Um, so Sundays have been described this way. We get up, we eat breakfast, we go to church in Naknek. Uh, then we come home, we eat, we go to church in South Naknek and up in Ekwok, and sometimes there's a potluck. And then we have an evening service on Sundays as well. So then we'll go we'll go to church again, and sometimes you know after that you're you're hungry again, so you eat again. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so our Sundays are kind of kind of interesting. Uh, those are then then Thursdays we have a Bible study in South Naknek as well, and those are our regularly scheduled flights. Um, and then uh, during the summertime, uh, we just came off of. Uh, uh, nine weeks of a, or I'm sorry, seven weeks of vacation Bible school in seven different villages, uh, up here. And the VBS team had to be flown to each one of those villages. Um, and then we also had local, uh, VBS, one in South Naknek, and that included, of course, flying across the river there and then Naknek as well, which we could drive to. But, uh, uh, so that's some of the summer type activities. We also work with Tenalian Bible Camp and fly kids up to Port Allsworth, which is halfway between where we are and Anchorage, and uh, drop kids off there so they have an opportunity to hear the gospel as well. Um, so that's a, kind of the type of flying that we do um, and uh, some of the missions that we that we fulfill that way. Okay, let me ask you a question that came to mind. These VBS teams that you 
mentioned, are, are they uh, local or are these folks from the lower 48 who have come up to help serve? They are actually from the lower 48. Um, and a lot of them have been graduates of our Bible school and have served on vacation Bible school teams in the lower 48. Um, we try to get and uh, have been successful thus far getting a married couple and uh, two single individuals. And uh, uh, so our teams have con- has usually consisted of four members, which works out great in the Cherokee Six when you start putting in all the supplies and everything um, and the fuel to get mm-hmm. there. Uh, that's about the maximum you want to have in the airplane. So, um, so that that works out pretty, pretty well. Well, Jeremy, you mentioned that you had a couple of other individuals that were uh, working with you in, in your organization there. Why don't you tell me a little bit about their roles and what they do and how all of you work together to accomplish the mission that you're on there in Alaska? Yeah, there's actually three families here in, uh, in NACNIC serving with the AFLC home missions. And uh, my family, of course, is one. Uh, the focus uh, that we have is is aviation, but we also have um, uh, Pastor Bob Lee here at our radio station, and we have a radio station, uh, FM radio station that reaches out about 70 miles or so from Naknek into surrounding villages. We're looking to expand that a little bit, and that's uh, served by Pastor Bob Lee, and uh uh, the Lee family and our family actually live together here in the same building uh, at the radio station, and uh, and so I also help out with the with the radio station some too, and we support the the uh, radio station ministry as well by doing flying and flying out to some of these other villages where we have radio equipment and that sort of thing, um, and then we also have uh, Pastor Jeff Swanson and his family. And uh, he's our primary pastor, and uh, I guess you could call him the, the village ministry guy as well. Um, and uh, so we we all work very closely together, and uh, so we have kind of those three arms of ministry, if you will, the aviation, the radio, and the village ministries. So what would you say is the most exciting part about being a, a missionary, aviator, and a, and a pastor up in Alaska? Well, I think it's probably the same thing that's the most exciting part of any missionary, and that is hearing when people have come to know the Lord, are growing in their faith, and uh, and that sort of thing. Um, to me, that's, that's the most exciting part. Um, it was a lot of fun flying kids up to Port Allsworth to an alien Bible camp this summer, and and uh, the director of the camp pulling me aside saying, hey, there's three kids from your village that accepted the Lord. Um, you know, that's what it's all about. So it's uh, that to me is probably uh, the most exciting part. What would you say is the most difficult part about what you're doing there? Uh, in terms of flying, I would say the weather. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of times where I... Uh, and and the people here are very gracious, but there's been a lot of times where I've had to say, you know, we can't go to church today uh, because of the weather and having to cancel church services and that sort of thing. Um, but we know that there's reasons for that. You know, God has a larger plan and we don't we don't always see 
see why we can't get to a particular place at a particular time when we want to do it. <laughs> um, but but God knows. And uh, so I would say that's probably one of the, the more difficult things, you know, related to flying. So. Okay, Jeremy. Well, obviously, uh, being on the mission field, you have endured a, a certain number of, of struggles and probably even some spiritual a struggle since being there. Why don't you share a little bit about that? Well, I know for me personally, um, one of the things that is a struggle is um, being a Martha. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is, you know, drawing from the gospel account of, of Martha and Mary and being so distracted by serving. You know, there's that account where Martha is serving and tr trying to uh, be the best uh, hostess that she can be, and uh, she gets mad at her sister Mary for sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word. And uh, Jesus kind of gently rebukes Martha and and basically says, you know, you know, Mary's chosen the good thing, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And uh, and for me personally, that's a spiritual struggle, constant spiritual struggle, is to get so busy with serving that that uh, you know we neglect our relationship with the Lord and and that sort of thing. So, um, you know that's that's something that continues to come up, and I um, continue to uh, continue to be reminded of that uh, from that gospel account there to to remember to be at the feet of Jesus. Um, you know all these different serving things. You know, be it flying with the airplanes, working on the airplanes you know, whatever, whatever it is, uh, those are all secondary to our relationship with the Lord. And uh, we need to be right with him and, and uh, continue to grow in him before we can be of, of, of help to others. Um, another struggle with our family is that, uh, is that our son Malachi has been diagnosed with uh, juvenile arthritis. And uh, his, we noticed it uh, about a year, year and a half ago or so that one of his joints was really swollen. His knee was swollen and he, he had hit his knee and we thought, well, maybe it's just because he hit his knee that it's so swollen because we hadn't noticed it before. And then he wouldn't move it. And uh, we went through a bunch of different, you know, doctors and that sort of thing before we finally, uh, finally came down to the diagnosis of, juvenile arthritis um, and he's currently on medication for that to, to reduce the inflammation but one of the odd things with this disease it's an autoimmune disease basically his his uh, immune system is attacking his body um, uh, because he has an overactive immune system so he's on a, on some medication for that but one of the odd things that it can be a side deal with that is that the inflammation can spread to the eyes um, and, uh, and that they said it rarely happens and it, and it mostly happens in girls. So we we're kind of thinking, oh, that's not going to be no big deal. We'll just go to the ophthalmologist every once in a while and, and he'll be good to go and went to the ophthalmologist. Sure enough, he had the inflammation in the eyes. Uh, and so he, uh, so he's on medication for that as well. And it's been kind of a long struggle and kind of, uh, trying as well for us. Uh, and I see that as a, as a spiritual obstacle, <laughs> but the Lord's teaching us through that. Um, and, uh, you know, praise God right now through the medication and everything that his eyes are clear, his joints are doing really well. Uh, he's able to run around like, 
any other six-year-old kid. Um, and uh, and so we're, we're very grateful for that, but it is a uh, we we've been told it is a lifelong disease. So uh, that has been a bit of an obstacle, a struggle, if you will, uh, spiritually for us as well. But it's also one that continues to draw us back to our knees and uh, continue to uh, to rely upon Him. So you know, there's with every struggle, there's there's also um, you know some pros to that as well. All right. Well, at the end of the episode today, I'll ask you about prayer requests and so forth, and we'll we'll definitely include your first struggle that you mentioned with with being a Martha and, and being uh, busy. I, as a pastor, I have often made the comment that we have to be careful about doing work at the church in lieu of doing the work of the church, and. Uh, we we can get caught up into that, and we can keep ourselves busy, and and we can even feel good about what we're doing. But we have to make sure that we're doing uh, the work of uh, the church, or we're just distracted. So I'll certainly pray with you uh, about that, and you could pray for me about that as well. Yeah. And uh, we'll yeah. definitely be in prayer for your your son as well that he will. Uh, continue to to do well on on the medication and and will be able to live a, a normal life as possible with that diagnosis. So uh, curious if there's some friends and family who have been helpful uh, to you, or maybe even a mentor that you have had uh, along the way. Anyone who has helped you in your journey to to getting to the mission field, or even now as you're serving. As as a pastor pilot in Alaska, yeah, you know our family and friends have been very very helpful. Um, you know, very supportive of uh, of the work where we're at and and that sort of thing. Doesn't mean that our families don't miss us. And at times, you know, we get little hints <laughs> from family and friends. Mm-hmm. When, are you, when are you coming back? <laughs> uh, you right. know, and that sort of thing. And uh, so that could be a you know a little bit of a little bit of a struggle, but um, you know, yeah, they've been all, all been really great. I've had, I've been blessed with several mentors, uh, in my life throughout, you know, throughout my life, and, you know, especially just thinking of my father as well. I mean, that, that man, uh, poured everything, uh, into me, uh, in addition to the ministry there as well. And, uh, uh, I would say he was probably my biggest mentor. Uh, but I've also had other mentors in my life, uh, several former missionary pilots that have helped out with with uh, Mission Aviation Training Academy, um, close family, friends, and that sort of thing. So uh, I've all been very, very supportive, and uh, and uh, we're, I'm very grateful for that. Um, I would encourage those who are who are looking at mission aviation to go find a mentor. Um, and oftentimes those mentors will find you. Um, you know, they'll they'll uh, start pouring into you and go, why is this guy, well, gal, you know, why are they paying attention to me? And, uh, you know, look for those opportunities. So, um, Well, Jeremy, let me say that, first of all, I'm sure that your father is very proud of what you're doing and, and what you have done with uh, what he uh, poured into you over the years, not just the the flight training and and so forth, but uh, the biblical teaching and the 
the desire to to be faithful in in the call to uh, make disciples as we're going, as you said. So um, he would be proud of you. I, I'm I'm certain of that. I'm sure not would be is is proud of you. Um, so thank you for for sharing those things and and I think your advice about uh, find if you're if you're feeling led towards uh, mission aviation and are in even in training toward that find a find a mentor uh, someone who can uh, help you make mistake help you avoid the mistakes they made and and point you in the right direction so I think that's really good advice do you have any other final suggestions or advice or encouragement for prospective missionary pilots yeah you know it's easy i think as i think about this you know it's easy for us to um forget you know especially when we start getting down the road of being a pilot and you know one of the things that is prized in aviation is pride (laughs) um Mm -hmm. you know and it's something that's easy for mission aviators to to um get into. I know I'm guilty of it myself, but remembering, you know, where all of this comes from. And this is a, a portion of scripture that that God has really been working on my heart with, and that is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. I encourage your listeners to read all of it, but um, Deuteronomy 8.10 um, says, when you, have, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. And then, uh, then the warning comes here in verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, uh, which I command you today. Um, and I'm going to jump down to verse 17. Uh, because when you are when you are full, the tendency is this, uh, that you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this well. Um, and, uh, and God says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to, his, to your fathers as it is to this day. You know, thinking of all the different ratings and different things that that uh, that I've been able to, and God has blessed me with, um, it's easy, and that time when I walked away from the Lord was an example of this, it's easy to forget the Lord. Um, you know, to be a Martha, to be so involved in the serving that we forget the Lord, and all of a sudden we start looking at ourselves going, wow, what a good person I am. Look how far I've come with all these ratings. Look at where I'm at and, and all that sort of thing. And it's easy to forget the Lord. And, uh, and I think God has those warnings in scriptures. So often in scripture, he, he reminds us to remember. And uh, and I think that's an important thing uh, as we as we continue in training to be a missionary pilot, as we continue to be a missionary pilot on the quote unquote field or uh, just living the Christian life. Don't forget the Lord and who he is and what he's done for us. Um, and remember that it's not our own strength. It's not our own might that has gotten these things. It's because the Lord has blessed us. So uh, that's a. Uh, something that that I'm continually being reminded, particularly as of late as well. Okay, very good. Thank you for sharing those things. I wonder if there is a book that you'd like to recommend to our readers or multiple books. It could be something about missionary aviation or something that helped you grow in your Christian walk or even 
something that helped you learn to fly? Yeah. Any any books that come to mind? Well, I am kind of that's that's a question that you might not want to ask me because I could list off a whole bunch of books. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, some of the ones that I think recently that have been really good. Um, there's a missionary pilot uh, who has his own organization up in. Sutton, Alaska, they're moving to Palmer, and that's uh, Dwayne King. And uh, there's a book written about him, Open the Sky, by Mark Weinheld, I believe it is, W-I-N-H-E-L-D. And that was a very good book on missions in Alaska, and he also was over in uh, Russia as well. And just his story is, is very good if, you know, if listeners looking at missions in Alaska, mission aviation in Alaska, um, mm-hmm. Some other good books on missions that uh, a missions book that uh, that I really appreciate is uh, um, oh what's it called now the biblical basis of missions by uh, Glover I can't remember his first name off the top of my head but uh, um, and I I like history so you know listening to history of mission aviation there's uh, I remember the names of some of those other books, but one of them is Into the Glory by Jamie Buckingham, uh, out of print book, but uh, kind of tells the story of jars um, and that sort of thing. So that that's really good. Uh, in terms of aviation books, uh, I really appreciate uh, Bill Kirshner's books on pretty much every rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are really good books. Sometimes his mathematics is way beyond me. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. but he has a good humorous way of describing maneuvers and, and, uh, you're just a, a really good teacher, uh, in those. And if you're looking to do a tailwheel endorsement, I highly recommend the complete tail dragger pilot. And I can't remember who that's by, but, uh, that is a very good book on tailwheel flying. So, um, and then of course, obviously the, the word of God. So <laughs> first and foremost, yeah, amen. <laughs> so yeah, right. I will uh, take those books and I'll, I'll look them up and I'll, I'll provide links in the show notes to, to Amazon where individuals who are interested could purchase those. So Jeremy, in addition to the things that you have mentioned about your struggle with busyness and how that is a distraction to you and the diagnosis of your son with juvenile arthritis, are there other things our audience could be praying about for you and your family? Yeah, um, you know, just that uh, God would continue to grant to us wisdom. Um, pray just about every night, Lord, <laughs> give us wisdom in how we are to serve you here. And, uh, and you know, just the way God opens doors never ceases to amaze us. So, um, you know, just that we'd be faithful in, in our calling that he has called us to and wisdom and uh, decisions that he would uh, that he would have us to make, and and how we um, continue to spread the gospel. Okay, we'll do that, and I, I will include those in the in the show notes as well, so our audience can can be praying for you in that area. Well, Jeremy, how can people connect with you on social media or elsewhere to learn more about you, and maybe? Uh, even become a, a prayer partner with you or a, a financial supporter of the things that you were doing? Are there some 
avenues that you could share today on the show for people to connect sure. with you? Sure. Um, I'm on Facebook, Jeremy Kroll, C-R-O-W-E-L-L. You can uh, take a look at what uh, I got posted there. Usually, I'm not super active on Facebook, but every once in a while, I'll get a burst of activity. <laughs> um, my wife is a little more active on Facebook than I am, uh, Lacey, L-A-C-E-Y, uh, Kroll. And uh, we do have uh, websites uh, for flaps and for home missions, uh, the AFLC home missions. So it's flapsministry.org and, uh, and then also uh, aflchomemissions.org. And uh, you, know, you can, can't remember those. You can just Google it. And uh, just remember, if you go to AFLAC, you went to the wrong site. So, um, <laughs> so you can find out more about us on those, on those uh, sites. So. All right. Well, I will make sure to include all that in in the show notes as well when I when I publish this episode. But Jeremy, I do want to thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing about your journey to becoming a, a pastor slash pilot in Alaska and about your your training and about the work that you do there and about MATA and and Flaps and and those organizations and, and again. I hope individuals who listen to this show will will take the time to 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 visit each of those those websites and to learn uh, more about those organizations and and see uh, particularly like Mata is that is that a place that that they would like to potentially train at to to reach the mission field as as a pilot. So thank you for sharing those things. I really do appreciate this opportunity. You've been a fantastic guest. I've enjoyed every minute of this, and I hope that you and I can stay in touch and uh, continue to dialogue now and then. All right, okay? sounds good. Yeah, and thank you for, you know, this ministry as well, uh, this podcast. It's uh, it's encouraging to listen to and to uh, hear others' stories, and, uh, and it's encouraging to me just to be reminded of what God has done in my life and what God is doing in others as well. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm happy to do it, and thanks again. We'll talk soon, okay? Sounds good. Thanks. Well, that's it for this episode. We thank you once again for listening. You can learn more about the podcast and subscribe to it by visiting plainfaith.com. That's P-L-A-N-E faith.com. You will also find links there to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you are interested in becoming a patron of the show, you can do that as well by visiting patreon.com forward slash plainfaith. And of course, Jimmy would love to hear from you personally. So feel free to email him at jimmy at plainfaith.com or by using the contact form on our website. Until next time, remember that God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The intro and outro music for the Plain Faith podcast is a song called Chipper by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incompetech.com.